Okay, we start. I'm going to start. There was a story I saw. I just didn't remember what the source was, but I just Googled it, and uh, thank God for Google. Yeah, the story is okay. I'm going to start with that, and then we'll go into the... So the, the story is between uh, Rabbi Huda Hanasi and Marcus Aurelius. They had a relationship, the two of them together. And the question was, who is more responsible for the person, the body or the soul? So the, the question is, who is more responsible, is it the body or the soul? So the, the Rabbi Huda Hanasi answered him this way. And I guess the question was this. We go up to heaven, and when we get up to heaven, uh, the, body, the body is asked, why did you do the things you did? And the body says, it wasn't me. Uh, without the soul, what am I? I'm just, uh, I'm nothing. I can't do anything. And uh, the soul says, no, I'm pure. It was the body that made me do all the things that I did. So both of them say, uh, not my fault, not my fault. Neither of us should get... Should, should pay the price, and the rest should be responsible. So Rabbi Yehuda Nasi tells him a story. He said that the king, who's Marcus Aurelius, owns a grove. And in his grove, he puts two watchmen, because he doesn't want anyone to touch the food in the grove, and he's even worried about the watchmen. So he puts a lame watchman who can see, and a blind watchman with the lame guy. So if anyone comes to the grove, the lame guy sees, and he tells the blind man, go after the guy to throw him out. He says, comes back, the king comes back to the grove, and lots of the fruits are eaten. And uh, the blind man says, it couldn't be me, I can't even see the, the, the trees to get the fruits. And the lame man says, it can't be me because I can't move, well, how could I take the fruits? So the king realizes that what happened the blind man took the lame man and put him on his shoulders. And he, the, the lame guy said to the blind guy, this is where we should go and pick the, pick the fruits. And they ended up picking the fruits and ate the fruits together. So he says, so what did the king do? He put the blind man and the lame man one on top of the other and he beat the two of them together. So Rabbi Huda Nasi says, it's interesting, you can't blame the soul alone, you can't blame the body alone. There's a partnership. So in essence he says, that at some point, both for punishment and reward, it seems the body and the soul have to come back together. So with that, that in mind, let's start. So this week is one of the most important uh, parashiot that we have. This is the parasha we call Yitro, which we talk about the ten, where we receive the Ten Commandments. We go to Har Sinai and we receive the Ten Commandments. So the question that many of the, the Mepharshim ask is why is this parasha, why does it begin with Yitro, the story of Yitro? Who is Yitro? Yitro is the father-in-law of Moses. And the parasha begins, Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midian, and Yitro, the priest of Midian. So he's still called the priest of Midian, even though many years before he's given up idolatry. Choten Moshe, he has a title, very important title. Moses' father-in-law. Yeah, you go around and you say, hey, I'm Moses' father-in-law. So he heard everything that God did to Moses. So the, the rabbis tell us what specifically did he hear. And there's two things that, that Rashi brings specifically. He heard about... 
the splitting of the sea, and he heard about the war with Amalek. Now you would think you went through all the Ten Commandments, why so important are these two out of everything else? The war with Amalek, that they, 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 they had a war with Amalek and that's why he's coming. In the war with Amalek, they didn't defeat anybody. The war with Amalek ends in a, pretty much a, a draw. And how do you compare the war with Amalek with the splitting of the sea with, uh, with Yamsuf? And why only these two? Why not the death of the firstborn? Why not the plagues? He says that, that, that uh, Rashi brings these two and doesn't bring, bring really the others. He also brings the man. You bring the, could bring the well. You could bring the ten plagues. But specifically these two. Now we have news that the Torah is going to tell us, which with the Torah being very sparing in the words that it uses, why do we really need to know this information? It says Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, again we repeat that he's the father-in-law of Moshe, he takes Et Sipora, Eshet Moshe, takes Sipora, the wife of Moshe, we know she's his wife, after he sent her away. So when did Moshe send away? Sipora. The last time we saw Sipora was when? When Moshe was leaving his father-in-law's house and he was going to Egypt and he takes the donkey and he puts the kids, right? He puts them all on the donkey and he goes down to Egypt with his wife and the kids on the donkey. And what, so they came to Egypt. How did they get to Yitro's house? That's all we heard. We remember they stop at the inn and we hear a whole story in the inn and the Brit Milah. So how does he get to Yitro's house? So the, the rabbis explain, you know, when he came down, Aharon came out to meet him. And Aaron said, uh, Moses, who are these people with you? He said, that's my wife. That's my kids. And Aaron said, you don't think we have enough problems in Egypt? You're bringing uh, your wife and your kids to Egypt? Send her away. Send her back home and don't let her come into this dangerous environment. And that's what he did. And the pasuk continues, And her two sons... Her two sons, you know, so the sons always like their mother best, right? I don't know, you, so, so I heard something very interesting. It says one of the rabbis was explaining that, that the sons always like their mother's best, and that's why we have a mitzvah. Respect your father and your mother, because a son generally will, will respect his mother more. And it says, So you should fear your mother first and then your father. Why? Because most people fear their father. That was in the days when the fathers beat them. Now the fathers don't hit the kids. The only one who really disciplines is the mother. And the kids really, uh, they like their fathers because we're whips. Okay. <laughs> it says that. And why do we need to remind us? We already heard his name was Gershom way back when he was born. Because he says, I was a stranger in a strange land. This is when he was forced out of Egypt into Midian. Both places are a strange land. And the name of the one, it's not the name of the other, the name of the one. Eliezer, ki avi be'ezri. Uh, so, because he says he names him Eliezer, because God saved me from the sword of Paro. Why strange names? He names them. He left Egypt a long time before, 
And when he, we know that when he left Egypt, they tried to kill him, and one of the one of the midrashim says his neck turned to stone, so the executioner couldn't get him, or he just was able to escape. You would name the first one Eliezer, I escaped, and maybe the second one Gershom, but he names the reverse. But what do we need to know their names? And again, we have again repeating his relationship with Moshe, and again repeating children and the wife. El Moshe El Hamidbar, they come to the desert where Moshe is waiting by Har HaElokim. So now we're, we're a little bit before Ma'amad Har Sinai, a little bit before Har Sinai, and he's coming to, Yitro is coming with the wife and children to Har Sinai. Yitro at this point is still a goy, he didn't convert, and, uh, but he's coming to join him, he's coming to join him to hear the words of the Torah. It's interesting, the Mechilta asks a question. It says, why is a goy coming to hear the words of Torah? It's an interesting question. So it says, Vayomer, and he says, So now Yitro is introducing himself to Moses. So basically he can't get into the camp because there's the, the clouds surrounding it. So either he sends an arrow over the top or a rock or a, or a carrier pigeon, and he introduces himself. He says, I'm your father-in-law coming to see you. And if that's not good enough, I have your wife. And if that's not good enough, I have your two sons. It's like my father-in-law is coming to the building. He tells the doorman, uh, could you ring up to the apartment? He says, uh, I'm here, your father-in-law. Uh, I don't know if I want to go there. Well, I got your wife here. Uh, I still don't know if I want to go there. I got your two kids. Oh, okay, now I'll come. What, what is going on here? I mean, shouldn't he, come, shouldn't he have come down to, to see him without needing all of this? And you see that he gives him, uh, Moshe gives him complete respect. Moshe rushes to meet his father-in-law. He bows down to him. He kisses him. They ask each other how they're doing. And they come to the Ohel. It says here the Ohel is where? Is the place to learn Torah. So he brings his father-in-law to the Ohel to learn Torah. So it says, it says Moshe. Moshe tells his father-in-law everything that God did to Paro and Mitzrayim. He says, and, and uh, what happened to them and how God saved them. So then the next word is interesting because there's a number of different explanations. It's Vayichad. So the question is, he trembled. He was, the, the translation here, he was happy. One opinion is that he heard how the, how the Egyptians all died and he still felt for them. So he was, he was in shock over it. Another opinion is, you know what it means? He went outside, he said to Moshe, wait one second, I'll be right back. He went into the next... Uh, he went into the restroom and he took out a blade and he gave himself a brit milah. This is where he converts. Al on all the good, that God saved the Jewish people from Egypt. So he wants to be a Jew now. He wants to convert. And Yitro says something, Baruch Adonai. Blessed is God. He's the first one to say about Am Yisrael. We see Eliezer is the other one who says it. When Eliezer finds a wife for Yitzchak, he praises God. The only other person to praise God is Yitro. So for some reason, Jews don't praise God. Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. And now Yitro, the first person to praise God after all of this that happened to them, is who? Yitro. And in essence, what is he saying? We have a, we have a, 
a beracha that we're required to say when we, when we travel on an airplane, meaning if we cross the desert, if we cross the sea, if we're saved from prison, if we get out of the hospital, we say bracha called hagomel. And that's in place of a sacrifice called a thank you sacrificing, a, a, a todah. And we say this bracha hagomel We thank Hashem for doing us. This is one bracha that we're allowed to say on behalf of another person, even if the other person is not there. If I heard something good happen for my friend and he was saved, I can say the bracha on behalf of my friend. The rabbis say that the first person... Hagomel, yeah. So I could say, in, in essence, even though there's a difference of opinion, the Mekubalim say, no, you could only use the words, but I saw a number of rabbis bring, you could say, you know, so, so some, you know, we have a, we have a halakha that basically the, 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 after the, the baby's born, then the night before the Brit Milah, we have a reading, and that night, the, the, the mother who gave birth comes into the room and she says the bracha of Gomel. For everybody, and they answer her, Amen. Because she, she went through childbirth and everything went okay. But in essence, the husband could say, That Hashem did for my wife, all good, I thank Hashem. And we get this from Yitro. Yitro is at this level that he says, Baruch Hashem. Baruch, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. The interesting thing is, the angels say, Kadosh, 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 Amonai. They only say God's name after three words. We generally say Baruch Atah Hashem, God's name after two words. But here Yitro says God's name after one word. So he's at a very high level. What's going on that Yitro is at this high level? Who is this guy? It says, now I know, now I know that God is greater than every God. I worshiped every single God in the, in the universe. Because of what he did with you. So what is it that he's so impressed by? So he's impressed by the aspect that he's impressed. We see the two things he came for are the splitting of the sea and Amalek. He's impressed by the splitting of the sea more than anything else. Why? Because the Egyptians originally, how did they kill the, 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 the babies? They threw them into the sea. And they felt that God's not interested in the world. Yitro sees here as proof that they were punished, midah keneged midah, they were punished in the way that they sought to harm other people. And therefore he says, look at God, he's completely a God of justice. He punishes midah keneged midah, exactly as a person deserves, he punishes that person. Is this the proof that God is the greatest God? So Yitro, the father-in-law of Moshe, takes So now he's going to bring sacrifices. And who's he going to bring the sacrifices to? Very, very strange. Lelohim. To God, and we have God, Elohim is Midat Hadin, as opposed to Midat Chesed. Now, to think of it this way is this. We have Hashem is Midat Chesed. That's where we bring sacrifices, to Hashem. Hashem smelled Reach Nichoach. Because that's midat hachesed. That's God being nice. Because even though you don't deserve it, you gave me a sacrifice. I don't really need it, but I'm going to be nice to you. Midat hadin is what? It's only judgment. You can't bring a sacrifice to the judge who's only judgment. There's either good or bad. No middle road. And he's bringing olaz vachim to who? Lelohim. To God, midat hadin. Very, very strange. 
now that he's done this, who comes to join him for the party? Aaron and all the, the leaders of the people, and they come to eat bread with him. Together with who? He doesn't have a name now anymore. Im Choten Moshe. Now he's only called Choten Moshe. Moses' father-in-law. Lifneha Elohim. And again, we have this aspect of Midat Hadin. And the rabbis ask the question, why again Midat Hadin? So with that, that's the, the, so the question really is, how does Yitro, and all these questions that we have about Yitro, tie in to the giving of the Ten Commandments? So now we're going to go into the giving of the Ten Commandments. We start chapter 19, verse 1. Bachodesh HaShelishi, in the third month, that's the month of Sivan, Leset B'nei Yisrael Me'eretz Mitzrayim, that the, 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 the Israelites left the, the Egypt, Bayom Hazer, should be Bayom Hahu, should have been that day, we say Bayom Hazer, Ba'u Midbar Sinai, they came to Midbar Sinai. We say Bayom Hazer, and the rabbis tell us from this word, we should know that, the, that this is what Rashi says, that the words of Torah should be new to you as if they were just given today. And he's quoting uh, the Midrash Tanhuma. says that a person has to think, even if I went to the rabbi's class and he gave the same speech this year, the year before, and the next year, I have to be happy and listen as if I'm hearing it for the first time, even if I heard it again. That's the idea of Hayom Hazeh. Every day we should, as if we're receiving the Torah, anew. Why? How? What does that have to do with getting the Ten Commandments? They came from Refidim, and they came to the desert of Sinai, and they camped in the desert. Now, strange word, so it says, that's plural. The next word is, is one individual. Yisrael came next to the Har. What does Rashi write? He says, he says, the singular form denoting that they camped there as one man, one man with one heart. He says, all the other encampments, they fought with each other, complained to each other. In this case, they were completely unified. The only time that they're completely unified is this story. This case, they're completely unified. The question is, how could you be completely unified with two million people? Two million people. Someone says, you know, you're standing in my way. I wanted to get the water first. You're uh, this, you're that. Everybody's going to have a little fight. How is it possible that two million people, nobody has a single little quarrel with somebody else? You get on the train, you get on the bus, you get anywhere. Someone does something to somebody. Here, we're saying that two million people all got along perfectly. Continue. We skip to verse 9. So Hashem tells Moshe, I'm coming to you in this, in the cloud, in order that the people should hear my speaking to you. So it's important that the people should hear me speaking to you. And in you they will believe in forever. So Moshe tells the words of the nation to God, but we don't hear what the words of the nation are. Rashi says, what was the response? Says that the people said, you know what? There's a big difference from, from someone who hears a message from a messenger to someone who hears a message direct from the giver. Says the people tell Moshe that we want to hear from Hashem and specifically they say, 
We want to see the king. We want to see God. How could you see God? What does it mean when they say, we want to see God? Now we know when they cross the Yamsuf, we sing from Az Yashir and they say, Ze'eli ve'anvehu. Whenever we have the word Ze', it means I'm pointing to something. So in some way, when they crossed the Yamsuf, they saw something akin to seeing God. We know that the rabbis write that even the lowest handmaiden saw more or experienced more than Yechezkel HaNavi, than, than Yechezkel the prophet, when he has his vision in the opening chapter of Yechezkel. And he writes about seeing the chariot of God and God, but in the crossing of the sea, they, they saw something that was, in essence, God, whatever that means. So now they say, we want to see God. Wait a minute, you just saw God a few weeks ago. You need to see him again? Okay, we want to see God because we want to hear directly. Why is it so important for them to see God? So what happens? So God is telling them they have to be ready for the third day. And then God is going to come down in the eyes of all the people. Unbelievable. So he's saying, you're gonna, they're only going to see me. Al-Har Sinai. God is saying that. They'll all see God. So we're all going to see. He's going to come down. We know, Everything is based on this. And they needed this, this input of, of seeing God, of experience something that people could never experience ever. They're the only ones who experience it. And this was so powerful that only 40 days later, they worship a golden calf. Now we look at the commandments. Anochi, uh, now you, you imagine now, God is coming down to earth and he's going to speak to us and he's going to tell us something that we never heard ever before. He's going to tell us something so unbelievable that it's going to change history, change the world. He's going to give us the secret of everything. So we get to Har Sinai. It says, I'm God, your God. So he says, God is telling them, the first, I'm God and you should have no other gods. Hey, wait a minute. We know that you're God. We already heard all about this coming out of Egypt. We already crossed the sea. In fact, not to have other gods is one in the mitzvot of the B'nai Noach. So what are you telling us that we didn't hear before? Okay, okay, let's get to number three. Maybe we'll hear something better. And then Hashem goes through all these things. He says, he says, even the third is nothing new. And then he tells about Shabbat. But what do you mean Shabbat? We heard about Shabbat two weeks ago when we were at Marah. That's when we got the laws of Shabbat. So you're telling us about Shabbat? We just heard about Shabbat. Ah, it's going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something even better. I'm going to tell you, respect your mother and your father. Respect your mother and your father. That's why I came to Har Sinai. You told us that also a couple of weeks before. And everyone knows they should respect their mother and father. Okay, okay. I'm going to tell you something really big. Something so important. Something that you could only find out from God coming to Har Sinai. Don't kill. The seven mitzvot b'nei Noach, don't kill. Okay, okay, you know, I got a better one. Okay? Don't commit adultery. What do you mean? Again, seven mitzvot b'nei Noach, you're not allowed to commit adultery. Ah, oh, big one, don't steal. Don't, don't, I mean, what is he telling us new at Har Sinai that we didn't hear before that this is supposed to be the experience and these are the ten commandments that we heard from God himself. Now, 
seems like a good question, no? This is it. We heard it all already. So what are you telling me now? But now the most strange thing happens. They tell Moshe, So God says the first commandment, and what happens to all the people? They hear the word of a God, and they die. From the, from the presence of God, they die. The angels, it says that they were blown back 12 miles. And what happened? The angels put dew on them. They all came back to life again. The angels brought them back to Har Sinai. Okay, we're ready for number two. And God gives the second, and all of a sudden what happens? They all blown away 12 miles. They all die. The angels come again. They sprinkle some dew. They come back to life. And they move back up to Har Sinai. And the people say, Whoa, Moses! No more! You talk to God, and you tell us what He says. We don't need to hear directly. What's so important for us to hear the story that they heard from God? They died. They're born again. They come forward, die again, born again, come forward. And then they say, fool me twice. Uh, That's it. I'm not trying a third time. I don't know if it's going to work. So again, what's the whole idea here with this? And we all heard the story. They all were Har Sinai. They died. That's why we only heard the first two. That's why we have the words Torah, Sivalanu Moshe. Why Torah, Sivalanu Moshe? How many mitzvot are there? 613. In Torah, if we take the gematria of Torah, the taf is 400. The, the Torah, so we have the vav is 6. The resh is 100. Uh, sorry, the resh is 200. And the hay is 5. So that's 611. So Torah, 611 mitzvot we got from Moses. What's the other two? We heard from God himself. And those when we heard, we died and came back to life. What's, what's going on? Okay, good questions? Now let's try the answer. So the Arizal brings. He says that we have to understand that we all pray for Mashiach. You know, we want Mashiach now, right? We're gonna go we, we all pray for Mashiach. He says, but Mashiach is only the first stage. The second stage in the final redemption is something we call Techiyat HaMetim. Whenever we have someone who passes away, we read a passage, which is Bilah HaMavet LaNetzach, that death should be swallowed forever, and it continues, you look in the Siddur, it continues of all the prophecies of the dead coming back to life. It says, one of the cardinal beliefs in Judaism is, that the body and soul return in a, unis, in a unity together at some point. There's a difference of opinion among the rabbis. Some say that after Mashiach comes, it'll happen 40 years later. Some say it'll happen 200 years later. Some say 210 years later. And these are all related to Mitzrayim, etc. It says, but, and we, we say every day in the Amidah, we pray Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Mechayeh HaMetim, the one who gives life to the dead. Yechezkel said that in, in, in Sefer Yechezkel, we see that he gives a prophecy of the dry bones. What's the prophecy of the dry bones? He goes to a valley of bones. Who are the bones in the valley? These are the bones of the people from Ephraim. So the Jewish people were supposed to be in Egypt originally for 400 years and then 430 years. So the tribe of Ephraim, 30,000 of them, decided to leave at the end of 400 years, 30 years before everyone else. 30,000 of them left. They marched up the coast. They got to Canaan. 
the Canaanites came and massacred them. And in order to prevent other people from coming, they left all of their bodies in the valley, and this was the Valley of the Bones. Hezkel comes, and he does a prophecy, and these bones come back to life. Whether it's just a vision or it happens, the Gemara says, no, it actually happened. All these 30,000 people came back to life, because one of the rabbis says he's a descendant of one of the people who came back from Yechezkel. But the reality is, the Arizal says that the destination, the goal of this world, is a concept called Techiyat Hameti. The dead coming back to life. Every day we wake up in the morning and we say, What are you saying? I'm saying, thank you God for returning my soul to me. Meaning, what happened in the night? My soul left me. I was in some way not alive. The rabbis say that sleep is one sixtieth of death. So every time we wake up in the morning, we're experiencing a mini techiyat hametim, a mini resurrection of the dead. When Adam Harishon, when Chava is created, when Adam is there and, and Hashem says, I'm going to make Chava, I'm going to make Eve for you, what happens? Now Hashem, I went, I saw magicians, they could go, you know, with the cards, they could take my watch off, I don't even know they took off my watch, they could probably take my shirt off, my tzitzit out, and I wouldn't know they took my tzitzit. But now God is going to make Chava from Adam, right? He has to take something from Adam. So God could just go hocus pocus, boom! What does he do? He puts Adam to sleep. Why is it necessary to put Adam to sleep in order for the for Chava to come. Because when he sees his wife, he has to realize it's a techiyat hametim. It's a, it's a resurrection of the dead and having them both come together. Last week, we read Az Yashir. If we translate Az Yashir, what does it mean? Then they will sing. What do you mean, then they will sing? It should be they sing. Why are we translating it as the future, as Yashir, Moshe? Moshe in the future will sing. The rabbis say, when will Moshe sing? At the time of Techiyat HaMetim, at the time of the resurrection of the dead. What did Yitro hear? Yitro heard as Yashir. He heard, wow, as Yashir, there's going to be a, re- a resurrection of the dead. He says, this is the concept of Judaism. What did he hear about the splitting of the sea is this aspect of Az Yashir. And that's the ultimate goal. And that's why Yitro says, Gomel. Ha-Gomel tovot. That God is the one who resurrects. When everything's over, God gives you another chance. God brings you back. Abraham Avinu, he goes into the fire of Ur Kasdim. When he comes out of the fire, it's as if he is born again as a new person. Because going into the fire, he should be dead. We have Yitzchak on the Akedah. Whether we follow the opinion of the Ben Yishchai or whatever, that he was really killed, not killed. There's an aspect of Yitzchak, of Isaac, on the altar. When he's saved, it's a resurrection of the dead. And that's why we say the bracha of, of, uh, of Mechayeh HaMetim on, on Yitzchak. When Yaakov fights the angel... Overnight, he says, I should have been dead. I saw, I saw the face of God face to face. I should have been dead. And now I'm given a chance to be resurrected. 
Whenever we say the bracha in the Amidah, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, we're thinking of this chance that each of the Avod had of coming back and having a chance to start over again. Each of them had this chance. When we say the Beracha Mechayah Metim, we're thinking, now Abraham came back, and after Abraham came back, he has a chance to have Yitzchak. Yitzchak is on the altar. After Yitzchak comes off the altar, and he's, so to say, given a chance to live again, he has Yaakov. Yaakov fights the angel, and still after that, he has Benyamin. So each of them have some new life after they experience a near-death, we'll call it a near-death experience. It says that Yitro heard, he already knows that Hashem is great, but he wants to have a better understanding. Yitro wants to understand the purpose of creation. He heard about the war with Amalek, that they were saved, and that aspect of being saved from a war is the same as HaGomel HaChayavim Tovot. Shegamalani Koltuv, HaChayavim Tovot. says... He's given a new chance. He sees a thing called rebirth. He sees a thing called revival. What does Yitro want? He wants the Torah. Because he says that the Torah has the energy, has the ability to reawaken, to give a person life after that person is dead. The dew that the angels spray upon the people that bring them back to life, this is the dew of Torah. It says in Mesechet Ketubot, that an Am Haaretz, an ignorant person, will not get up in Techiyat HaMetim. Why? Because in order to be resurrected, a person has to be sprinkled with this aspect of Torah knowledge. The Torah itself, in essence, is what brings a person back. We have in Ma'amar Har Sinai, the appearance of Hashem, and they die. What's the purpose that they should die when God comes to talk to them at Har Sinai? only so that they should experience a resurrection and they should see themselves at that moment as a brand new person. If a person can take their past and shed it and say, this is the first day of the rest of my life and I'm not going to worry what's in the rearview mirror. Or someone told me today, you know why the glass in the front of the car is so big and the rearview mirror is so little? So you shouldn't look and spend so much time looking in the rearview mirror of life. You should spend time looking in the big mirror of the future. It says every day, a person has to know why is the idea of the Torah being given every day? Even if I hear something again, I have to look at it as something new. Because even if I hear it again, there's some aspect in it that's new that I didn't hear before. This is the attitude that a person has to have every morning when he says, I have a chance today to be a new person, to pass, everything stays in the past and I move forward. It says, in order for. Are you saying that if a person, um, in, a, in order to be eligible for the uh, him, he would have had to study Torah at some point in his life? That's what, that's what, that's what the Arizal is saying. Because the Torah, what, what would I have been taught? It's not necessary, necessarily. So the Arizal is saying that, that, that the Torah, that Torah is what gives... The ability for a person to die. And according to the Gemara, the Gemara says, Amma Aretz has no Techiyat HaMetim. I've heard many rabbis say that it's Jewish. Sarah also is pointing out, they've pointed out, don't, don't panic out on that. <laughs> we, all, <laughs> we all died at Harsinai, which means you all, every soul heard Torah. So even if you don't, don't even take it, there's, 
that they all died. So they all were sprinkled with that dew. So you guys, even if you don't learn anything, you still got a little bit in you. So I've heard rabbis say, you know, that if, um, just the fact that you're Jewish, you know, that's... Uh, so what, what Chantal no, 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 is saying no, really is, if every one of us, right, like, I met you at Sinai, right? That's the... That's so if every one of us... I'm not making I'm not making No, no, but say who it is. Rebetzin Young Rice said that, too. What do you mean? We all have... No, Rebetzin Young Rice used to say... Yeah. Can I see you somewhere? I met you at Sinai. That was hers. So if all of our souls were at Har Sinai, then all of us, in essence, received the Torah, all of us received the do, and in essence, there would right. be the answer. Okay. But anyway, it says that Tehiyat HaMetim could only come when everyone gets along together, when there's complete unity. And that's why it was necessary at Har Sinai for two million people, for one time in history, to all get along and not to complain that you got a better seat than me, or you have a better view than me, or your, uh, your, uh, your man is uh, better than my man. He says, all of a sudden, everyone's agreeing and we're at peace. So now we hear the commandments. The first commandment, I already heard it. What am I doing? The second commandment, I already heard it. What am I doing? Because the whole idea of the Aser Debrot is to remind us of Techiyat Metim. I heard it before, I'm hearing it again. Deja vu all over again, right? Yogi Berra. It says, Yitro reaches this level. He understands that in order for there to be a future for the children and wife of Moshe, they need to be at Har Sinai. He needs to bring them to Har Sinai so they're there for this experience. The children need the Torah. Which makes sense with what we're saying, because otherwise they won't get up for Techiyat HaMetim. They won't be there in the resurrection. Yitro, he recognizes their names. Gershon is a stranger in this world. You're not a permanent resident here on earth. You're a stranger on earth. He says, Eliezer is because Hashem saved Moshe from the sword, just like Hashem saved Yitzchak on the altar, just like Hashem saved Abraham from the fire, just like Hashem saved Yaakov with the angel. Hashem grants new life. Living here is not the real life. The real life is the life we have when we come back. Yitro comes to convert. He's not just converting, but he understands that the main reason of living is to eventually experience the resurrection. He says, such a person who understands the purpose of life is the person who could say, Baruch Hashem. He's the one at the level who could say, Bless is God. Because he understands the purpose of life is this idea of resurrection. He says, he could sacrifice to Elohim because after the Mashiach comes, there's only Elohim. There's no more mercy and judgment. It's all one. So he's looking forward to when? To the future. He's looking to the time after. This is why they all sit together with Yitro and they eat. Because they know they need to learn together. Because when they're sitting and learning together, what are they producing? This energy, this do, which will allow Techiyat HaMetim. When you sit and learn, you have to see who's learning with you. And if you're learning together with people, what are you doing? It says, it says that three people who sit together and eat and don't discuss Torah, what are they doing? It says if they're eating... From the dead. What does that mean? Because three people together have a requirement to learn. Because if the three people don't learn, then God doesn't come. If the people do learn, then God comes and that God is with them. 
says that the whole idea is to sit and learn because sitting and learning brings this aspect of the energy of the Shekhinah, which gives us this feeling of Tehiyat Amitim. The Zichut is that Moshe goes outside to him. You see that Yitro is criticizing Moshe, you don't know what you're doing. You know, any father-in-law tells a son-in-law, you don't know what you're doing. You can't judge the people, you're sitting all day, it's going to kill you. I, what are you tell me it's going to kill me? It's not a nice thing to say. And Yitro convinces Moshe, okay, go talk to God. And they end up appointing 70,000 people to replace Moshe. It means he was doing the work of 70,000 people. It says, B'nai Israel was this. So now, what's the whole idea that B'nai Israel now is asking to see God? We know when they cross the sea, it says, they saw God. But what happened? After they crossed the sea, they came into the desert, and what did they start to do? Complain. Where's the food? Where's the water? Where's the meat? Where's the this? Where's the that? And when they complained, what happened? They lost the aspect of the connection to God. So what are they hoping for? They're hoping that they'll be able to reconnect at Har Sinai, to see God, to connect on a very high level. We want to see God because we want to see what we lost after we crossed the sea. We realize we lost it and we want to see it. When the Mashiach comes, we're going to be able to say, Ze'eli. We're going to be able to point and say, this is God. It says that just like we saw that when they crossed the sea, they, the, the, the maid servant saw more than the then Yechizkel. Why? Because you experience something, it's much more than just reading about it or hearing about it. Experience is more important than anything. It says, through the danger of crossing the sea, they were granted a new life. This is the key to the crossing of the sea. Because when they come through the sea, when someone goes through an experience where they almost lose their life, they come out the other end and they have a choice. When I come out the other end, I could be a whole new person. Because I realize now that life is a gift. You see people that went through a near death and then the other end of it, they're either no change or a complete change because now they appreciate life. They wanted to reach the same point that they had reached before at Matan Torah. And, it, and, and, and the, the key is that it says they saw, they wanted to see, seeing is this idea of connecting. Hashem tells them the same commandments they already knew. Because the whole key to Har Sinai is the understanding that it's reborn, it's rebirth. It's being able to come back again. It's, it's the, the do of Torah is what brings us. It says that every person has to understand that they have a miniature revival every single day. And it's indicative of what will happen when the Mashiach comes. The idea of Moshe is because Moshe in essence is going to become the leader, whatever the soul is of Moshe returns at that point, and then it's Az Yashir Moshe. Because there is that, that, that resurrection, that Tehiyar HaMetim. So why Yitro here? Why is the name of the Perasha Yitro? What's the whole connection to Yitro? Because Yitro understands this, and he reaches this level of understanding. Because the essence of what this Perasha is telling us, says the Arizal, is that we have the chance to be born every single day over. So the whole idea of Judaism is we have Rosh Hashanah comes year to year. When we come to Rosh Hashanah, what are we able to do in, in, in Elul? We basically look at the month and we do Teshuvah. We, we cut ourselves off from the past so that we begin Rosh Hashanah and we're new. The idea is that we're clean of all the sins. We go through Yom Kippur, we clean the sins the day after Yom Kippur, 
I'm new, I have a chance to start again. But it's not only once a year, because we have a concept of Rosh Chodesh. And there's many people on Erev Rosh Chodesh, they call it a mini Yom Kippur. Many people fast on Erev Rosh Chodesh because Rosh Chodesh relates to the moon. And the idea of the moon is being able to feel, why do we live by the moon and not the sun? Because the moon allows us to go through the month and have this feeling that I could be born again just like the moon. I have a chance to start over again. So if I did it at Yom Kippur, but I messed up a month into it, I don't have to worry. I have a chance every month to start over again. Now say I started over the month and I have another problem. We have Shabbat. And Shabbat every week gives us a chance to start over again. And even aside from Shabbat, we have every single day. Because Hashem renews everything every single day. So I have to go to sleep at night and say, okay, let me think about what I did. Let me get rid of it. Let me wake up in the morning and let me have a chance to start again. The essence of what this parasha is telling us, I think this is what the Arizal is saying, that whatever you have in your past, you have the ability, the gift to let go. You know, he tells a story, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harari, uh, Charlie Harari, he tells a story about, you know, that the guy is trying to catch the train and the train left the station and he's running after the train and he's holding his suitcases and he's running and his friend is on the back yelling, hurry, hurry, I'll grab you. And he's holding the suitcases and he can't run because he's holding the suitcases. And his friend yells at him, dump the suitcases and run. And he finally dumps the suitcases and pulls out his hand and he pulls him in. Too much of life, according to the Arizal, is us carrying baggage. Carrying baggage from yesterday. And it seems to be saying to us to say, you know what? You have this gift that God gave you. It's not only it's not only thinking about one day I'm going to die, be buried, and be born again. It's the fact that I have this gift every single day of my life. That I have the ability to drop the past and move forward. And that's really something we have to think about. That we have to wake up in the morning and we say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. Whatever I did before this, but I can move forward today and start over. But I have to be willing to understand that this exists, that it's a gift, and I have to take advantage of the gift. I think that's really the the crux of the lesson that we're getting. I don't think it's only for us to say, okay, I'm going to come back one day. I don't know what that means, I'm going to come back one day. I don't even want to worry about coming back one day. You know, my rabbi, we used to talk about Gilgul. He said, don't worry about Gilgul. Gilgul is your own life. Wake up tomorrow and try to fix, uh, you know, go forward. That's it. And I think this is the idea of what the Arizal, this whole Perasha is telling us. It's telling us, you heard it already. I'm telling it to you again, but today, it's new. Even if you heard it yesterday, today it could be new but it depends on the eyes you're willing to use to look at the situation. If we do that, then tomorrow we'll be much happier than we were yesterday. Leave the tears in the past, take the joy and go forward. Any questions? You prove money. Woo, that's a big one.